If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And as ever, I'm delighted to be back with you again. So there were many highlights of the Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference, and I have talked about a couple in uh, in previous episodes, and there's still things that stick with me, one of which was um, a, the great evening I had the last, the last night of the conference when I went and spent some time with uh, Matt Landau, who was staying in Amy Fermani's wonderful property, just about five minutes from the Strip, and spent a couple of hours in the company of Matt and his friends and uh, David Angotti, Wes Melton, Conrad O'Connell, just to name just a few. And uh, yeah, it was it was really nice to hang out with those guys for a couple of hours uh, and to enjoy some a little bit of downtime after after the conference. And it's always a huge pleasure to to talk to Matt. He he's the, one of the most insightful people on this in, in this industry that I know of, and always has some. He always has such great ideas and amazing questions that he asks. Really gets you to dig deep within yourself and and think about how you're achieving the best you can possibly achieve as an owner or vacation rental manager. And of course, that's what Matt does in his TV series, in the YouTube TV series, Sense of Place. And we saw that in season one. And I'm so delighted that filming has just about finished for season two of Sense of Place. And we saw this sizzler reel at the, uh, at the conference. And I just wanted to, couldn't, couldn't wait to get Matt on the show to talk about the places he's been, the people he's met, and his takeaways from that. So it's quite a long episode, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'm going to leave it to Matt to tell us where he's been and some of the experiences that he had. So without further ado, let's talk to your friend and mine, Matt Landau of the Vacation Rental Marketing Blog. It's with great pleasure that I welcome my friend Matt Landau to the podcast again. Matt, it's it hasn't been very long since we last met. We met in Las, in Las Vegas at the VRMA International Conference. And it, it is so cool to have you back. But before I let you speak, I'm just going to tell everybody the circumstances under which I found out that you were actually there at the conference. Although I did, I okay. did, I did know you were there because I had a secret message to say that you were there, that there was something going on on the uh, Tuesday morning, and but I wasn't allowed to say anything about it, which all seemed a bit, mm. a bit um, clandestine. However, <laughs> however, I'm sitting there at the end of day two, and of course, day two at the conference is you know you're just overloaded, overwhelmed. Everything's been coming at you from the seminars, from the panels, from the 
networking in the exhibition hall. So this last session is like, you know, kick back, put your feet up, eyes slightly closed. Is it, is it time to go yet? <laughs> and there was a great panel session that, uh, that Simon Lehman had led. And I think people were getting a little bit restless and just like, get me out of here. And then the music started and up on the screens, there was Matt Landau. It was the Sizzler video for Sense of Place season two. We didn't actually know what it was until the end. And it said season two, Sense of Place. So, so for those of you who, who didn't know Matt Landau, who don't know Matt Landau, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't know Matt. But maybe there might have been one or two new people in the audience who were thinking, hey, this is, this is really, really cool. But who is this guy? And then this voiceover came on talking about how we are all, as property managers, responsible for the experiences that our guests have. And what got me, Matt, you kept saying, and you, and you, and you. And it was a, a tad surreal, I have to say. And then <laughs> it's a very dark hall. We're hearing your voice, and then you just walk up on stage. I thought that that was very well crafted. Well, thank you. I, I came in from the back, and when I would say, and you, and you, I would tap people on the shoulder. And I think those must have been the people that I didn't know because they looked at me like I was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is this little creepy? <laughs> but thank you. Uh, it, was, it was a cool experience. I, was, uh, I only got to see that video a couple hours before it went live, so it was as exciting for me. Uh, to see it up there. Super cool. Oh, well, it was amazing. And and this is why I wanted to have you onto the podcast, because I watched that and I thought, Matt Landau, where the heck have you been? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I've been everywhere. In the past, um, let's see, the past four months, we've done eight international episodes, each of which were a, a good seven or eight days. So it's been quite a whirlwind, uh, but absolutely just enlightening meeting so many owners and managers and seeing what makes them tick. It's been incredible. Well, it, it looks it. I mean, the, 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 just, just in that very short video, there was so much in there that you know, showed the different places you've been and the different experiences you've had and all the people you spoke to. So in, in the very short time we have today, I just want to, to get a taste of the different places you've been and the people you've met, and the takeaway, one takeaway that you've got, got from each one. So it's going to be a little bit of a rapid-fire review, but can we do this? Yeah, I think we can. Excellent. Just catch up with everybody. We've got a lot of new listeners. What is a Sense of Place anyway? Sense of Place is the first-ever vacation rental-themed travel show, and it's hosted online on YouTube and Facebook and on my own website for the moment. Uh, but it aims to explore destinations through the magical world of vacation rentals. We all know that the experience that we offer to our guests is different from that of a hotel. And the goal of the show is to present the absolute best of what this experiential-based travel has to offer. So each episode uh, is less than 15 minutes. We visit a new destination and we meet the host stay in the vacation rental. And I say, we, it's myself and my small video team. And we then go about basically being a guest of that vacation rental business. And we explore the local community, 
We support the local businesses. We do some of the off the beaten path and meet some of the locals that the guests uh, that the host suggests. And we leave with the hope of sort of understanding the destination in a different kind of way than someone might uh, staying in a more conventional style lodging. And we're now in season two, so you can find all of season one's footage uh, online. And season two is taking things to a new height uh, because our sponsor, Booking.com, has quite a reputation uh, in the mainstream world of travel. So we like to think that we are presenting our industry, vacation rentals, uh, done professionally to the mainstream traveler. And that's an exciting and slightly daunting thing. Well, I, I seem to remember we. You, you said this last time we talked about sense of place. In fact, I think we did a couple of podcast um, sessions where you you initially talked about. I think we, I think we did one for for four or five of the places you went in season uh-huh. one, and then another for the second. And and I and I recall that your mom had said you had to write an essay about yep. about each place. Are you still doing that? Oh yeah. You got to follow mom's orders. What I do at the end of each um, shoot is I do what I call the dump. I get on my computer, I schedule myself a couple hours, and I just write down everything that I can remember uh, because as the days and weeks go by, I begin to remember things less and less. And there's that fresh perspective that you get when you visit a destination and the sights and the sounds and the tastes are, are fresh on your mind. So I put all of that uh, on my computer, on my Evernote, uh, in the form of an essay. And that ends up turning into some of the voiceover mm-hmm. um, that we use for the episode itself. That's amazing. You mentioned tastes, and I saw in that Sizzler video, you were, you were eating some, some really strange stuff. <laughs> there, was a, there was a sort of Bourdain type of of feel about that sizzler so I, i'll be really interested to see sense of place but because he used to eat really weird stuff and it looks like you're heading that direction too well food is certainly part of every destination and it's something that i'm really passionate about i love i love interesting food uh, but we like to think that what bourdain did in the world of food helping people connect through meals uh, we like to do we like to think that we are communicating in, in a hospitality sense, helping people see that with one simple choice of choosing the right vacation rental property, you can unlock all of these wonderful new experiences. And um, in a way, that's even an even easier, more accessible fit um, than having to go to a particular restaurant and order a particular unique dish. Uh, this is really a wonderful um, and approachable style of travel for everybody we believe mm-hmm. it's interesting that uh, you know you're, you're talking about the sort of local types of cuisine and in in the presentation that i did at vrma with andy mcnulty he actually mentioned something and he was talking about helping guests discover the places they're going to let's explore you know take take me through it Take me through some of the best experiences you had and the people you met and some of the takeaways. I oftentimes get the question, What's, what was your favorite? And my response to that is half um, of a cop out and half real <laughs> in that each of the destinations are so unique in their own way. And 
really, in the end, it is the host that is making the experience for us. And it's not really possible to compare one host to another it's in the same way that it's not possible to compare one of your best friends to another. They offer such different qualities and characteristics. And I just like to think that um, each of these destinations uh, is teaching me something along the way. Um, so I suppose a nice way of, of sharing it could be time to go down the list uh, and share my big takeaway from each visit. Would that make sense? That would, that would make a lot of sense, yes. All right, well, I'll, I'll do it in order, in chronological order. Uh, we began in Montevideo, Uruguay. Uh, this is a country that doesn't get a whole lot of press. Uh, it's kind of in the shadow of, of Buenos Aires and, and Argentina, the capital, Montevideo. We stayed in the historic district uh, with an inner circle member named Karen Higgs, and she is just a remarkable woman. Heather, you would get along great with her. She's Welsh but relocated to Montevideo and is now as connected of a local as you will find. In fact, a lot of the Montevideo uh, residents didn't know about the stuff that she was uh, opening up to us. But the big thing I learned from Karen in Montevideo was uh, the generosity in her marketing. So when she first arrived there, there was no written information about Montevideo. So like the pioneer that she is, Karen decided to write the guidebook. And she wrote a guidebook that's called Guru Guay, which is now the top-selling English language guidebook for Uruguay. And she gives away most of that information for free. Of course, the book itself has a small cost. Uh, but her style of marketing is all about reciprocity, about giving out her best tips and when you go and actually stay at her vacation rental, you get a whole different level of access to Karen. She actually plans your itinerary for you. She sits down and writes out what you're going to do. And it's, it's a cool way of running the business because you're able to help pretty much an unlimited amount of people um, and build up enough sort of prestige that when the people do book, they have so much admiration and respect for your business that they feel almost privileged to be there. And that was certainly the way that I felt. Uh, and she set up just a remarkable visit for us, something that I think pretty much every owner and manager could do is share tons of helpful insight that you can't find elsewhere with anyone who's traveling to your destination with the understanding that some percentage of those will raise their hand and say, I'd like to stay with you. That, that's amazing. I, I remember years ago going to Maui for the first time, and there is a book very similar called Maui Revealed. It's been, it's been around for a long, long time, and it, it is the insider's guide. Don't get this sort of information on Lonely Planet or Fodor's or you know, any of the other generic travel books that are out there. It was right down to where you, can, where, where you can buy the best banana bread on Maui. In certain places, there's a real need for this sort of really location-specific insider information. That sounds fantastic. And I, I shall go check out that book. For, for listeners, everything that, you, that Matt's talking about in terms of links, um, I'm going to put in the show notes. So uh, um, you can go check those out. So that was Europe. That was Montevideo. Montevideo. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's kind of far. You've got to fly a, a good distance. It's down near um, Brazil. So the natural next thing to do was go to Brazil, where I had never been before. 
Uh, a lot of people like me envisioned Brazil as this faraway, exotic um, place. And the person who really brought it down to earth for me, the person who was able to open his doors and really connect us with his Rio was David Parker. And David's someone who I have sort of featured in a number of presentations, specifically the limited edition presentation. Um, he's an inner circle member that owns a property called the Coral Penthouse. And it's this red, just beaming vacation rental that sits atop a, a, an apartment building in downtown Rio. And it's, it's the backdrop are these stunning uh, green cliffs, and it's about a block from the ocean. And David himself is <clears throat> um, an incredible guy. He brings to the vacation rental world a whole, um, what I call superpower. His background is in publishing. He worked in New York City uh, for a number of years. And he has this great understanding of people and connectivity. And Rio is a place that he fell in love with um, as, uh, as a professional in New York. And when he bought the Coral Penthouse, he really wanted it to be um, a way of sharing this special destination with others. And the big thing that I learned from David in Rio is the ease with which we can use events that are taking place in our region to really connect our visitors with the local landscape. So one of the first thing David suggested to me was that I go to a soccer game. I'm a huge <laughs> soccer fan. He knew that, but if he didn't know that, he could very easily have asked that in our correspondence. And he also has an employee who goes to all the Flamenco games, which was the local uh, soccer team, the equivalent of almost like of the Yankees. And I said, most certainly I'd love to go to that game. So Adriano, one of his employees, uh, along with his girlfriend, brought us along. And it was just an incredible, incredible cultural experience, including my team, who's not even soccer fans. We were all just mesmerized. The sounds, the feeling of being in a packed uh, Brazilian soccer stadium and, and seeing goals scored, the, the home team won. Um, it was such an easy thing for David to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would have been easy enough to say, check out this soccer game. Uh, it would have been slightly more difficult to actually help us acquire the tickets themselves. And it would have been slightly more difficult to have Adriano actually bring us. But any of those levels would have given us access to this wonderful local experience. Uh, and it was easily the most memorable uh, moment of my stay. It'll feature prominently in the episode for sure. But it just reminded me that all vacation rental professionals have these kinds of events taking place in their region. And assuming that our guests know about them or, or maybe assuming that our guests would not be interested in them would be missing out on a huge opportunity. I, I can understand that you could not miss the chance of a soccer game. Yeah, any chance I get, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the first time. It's not the first time soccer has featured in a sense of play. <laughs> we actually went to, it was a funny juxtaposition. We went to a soccer game in Montevideo just before that, which was a stadium of about a thousand people sitting right on the ocean. And when you kick the ball over the sideline, it went into the water. And someone had to go on the boat and pick it up. So it was a nice contrast. <laughs> Very cool. I love that idea of capitalizing on events and, and finding a way to, to help your guests actually partake in them. That was a really meaningful one for me. We then flew from Rio 
up to the U.S. Virgin Islands and specifically the island of St. John. We visited an inner circle member named Carla Gustafsson. And this was a special episode. I knew it was going to be special from the start, not just because Carla is an incredibly uh, special person, but also because of the adversity that Mm St. John has been through. Earlier in the year, they were hit by, by two catastrophic hurricanes that really just decimated the island. And it was really poignant to see how the island was responding to that. So we got to meet a lot of people who were part of the relief efforts, the recovery efforts, rather, um, all of whom were residents, but just had such a great leadership quality about them who sort of just decided to take matters into their own hands, not wait on anyone from the government or any other agencies to come in and fix things. They literally got out there and they started fixing their island with their own bare hands. And that was an incredibly inspiring thing. But the most meaningful lesson that I took away from St. John was the role of vacation rentals in a situation like this. So St. John didn't have a whole lot of accommodation options to begin with. However, the main options were always three big resorts, and pretty much all of them got uh, obliterated. And upon visiting, the only place to stay effectively was a vacation rental. It put our industry in an entirely new context for me, seeing the responsibility that people like Carla and her fellow vacation rental professionals had to play in tourism which was the lifeline or the lifeblood of this destination. If they were able to succeed in bringing tourists back to the island, cash would start to flow and the island could begin to heal. But if they were not able to do that professionally or if they were not able to do that at all, the island would be stuck. Mm -hmm. And I think that really highlighted for me the role that vacation rental businesses have to play in any destination Um, especially the ones that are dealing with um, unusual challenges like this. Yes, I met Carla um, in San Antonio at the Vacation Rental Success Summit. And and she, she, you know, it's heartbreaking. The the things she was was saying about how the island had suffered and the, the difficulty in the recovery efforts. She's such a passionate person Mm -hmm. that um, it was also a reminder that our business is not just about transactions. It's about uh, feelings and relationships with people. And Carla pours her heart into everything that she does. Mm -hmm. So visiting St. John and seeing her in her element and all the, all the, the way that all the people around her um, appreciate her was just a really cool thing for me. Amazing. Amazing. So where did you go to from St. John's? So from St. John, we went to the natural next place, Lindsborg, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, whenever I list Lindsborg, Kansas in our episode reel to people, they look at me like, why? Why Kansas? And the simple answer is Jim Prue, an Inner Circle member who has um, been talking to me about rural tourism for years now. Uh, someone I've always wanted to meet. 
but in hindsight, after getting to know Jim and getting to know Linsborg, I can say that it is the destination that, that brought us there. And it's the destination that would bring us back. Linsborg is a tiny, tiny town. Um, however, the moment you drive into it, these beautiful brick streets and flags on the side of the um, storefronts, it's, you just feel like you're entering into some, a different place. And it's known as Little Sweden, which is a strange cultural uh, reference. It's always been connected to the country of Sweden in a number of ways, to the extent that they teach Swedish in the elementary schools. They have Swedish folk dancing in the high schools. There's some element of Swedish woven into almost everything that everyone in, in this little town in Kansas does, which is unusual, to say the least. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from visiting Jim in Lindsborg is the role, and I shouldn't say the role, it's um, the power that a small group of owners, business owners, residents uh, can have if they work together. So we had the pleasure of visiting Jim uh, in his, I forget what it was called, but it was basically like a, a weekly um, town meeting where all the business owners would go in and talk about uh, different challenges that they were facing, different accomplishments they had made. And they all knew one another. They all at, um, act in sync. So when a, a visitor visits one shop, they recommend they go visit the one across the street. It was an incredible uh, display of teamwork. And I think a lot of small towns in the United States, at least, are sort of drying up and blowing away. And what I learned from Linsborg is that it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, if the community is working together, uh, that trend can be reversed. So Linsborg has started to see families moving in. They've started to see tourism going up. They started to see all these economic indicators pointing in a good direction as opposed to, um, as opposed to otherwise. So this is something that's hard to put into words. It's going to be hard, frankly, to put into um, visuals. But this was an average town, as Jim likes to say, with extraordinary people. And I think if we all took a page out of Lindsborg's book, our block or our town or our city or our state uh, could be a more connected and sustainable place. That's wonderful. I never heard of that. I've, I've found it now. So I've put, I'll put a link to Lindsberg.org on, on the show notes. Go take a look. I mean, the first thing you see when you open that website, it's in the part of it is in Swedish. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so surreal. You go in there and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, there are there's, there's other communities I know around the U.S. which are, are very much like that. There's some in Texas which are you know, some um, German. Um, there's, I mean, we have one up here in uh, in Ontario that is is predominantly Polish. So it's it, it's really interesting, and and I can see the um, the the tourism draw in that. And if community can get together and capitalize on that uh, that 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 draw for inbound travelers then obviously they're going to need accommodation. Yeah, and Jim is certainly banking on that idea. And then from Linsborg, we took the next natural flight to Bali. No. 
You went to. And that was. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. This, this is too much, Matt Landau. <laughs> I know. This was. This is entering the, the dream uh, segment of the trip. Yeah. I had never been to Bali. I had, frankly, even never dreamed of going to Bali. And getting there is a trip in itself. But once we arrived and met Maylee Green, who's an Inner Circle member who's actually from South Africa, lives in Johannesburg, but manages her villas in Bali remotely. It was not until we met her that I realized that Bali might be one of my favorite international destinations in the world. Bali, for those who have not been there, is so different from anything that uh, at least I am familiar with. It was impossible, even from the very moment we landed and got into the car to the moment that we left, it was impossible not to just be staring out your window at all of these things that were so different. You know, people walking around with uh, baskets on their heads. There was uh, offerings to the gods on like every block. There was foods, there was colors, smells. All these things were so different from anything that I had ever seen. It was just tantalizing. Mm-hmm. And, and my senses were a- almost overwhelmed. And I have a feeling that they would have been overwhelmed if I was somewhere like maybe um, Hong Kong, someplace bigger and more extreme. But the coolest thing about Bali, and I think Meili, um epitomizes this, is how it is presented to visitors. It's so open. The people are so friendly. It's safe. Um, it has such a rich culture that they are just happy to share that your your senses actually aren't overwhelmed. They're just perfectly um, stimulated. And the big thing that I learned from Meili, she has three villas in Bali. Each of them are located in a different town. Uh, and each of those towns are very different. Uh, one of them was up in the, the mountains. Uh, one of them was down on the beach. And then the other was another beach region that's a little bit more of a mainstream tourism uh, destination. But the big thing that I learned from Meili, and she does this at all of her villas, is the allure of having an on-site staff. And this is not something that all of us can achieve. In fact, with Meili, we kind of decided that um, a place like Bali makes it possible in terms of wages and things like that to have a staff um, an on-site staff. But at each of the villas, Meili's staff was not only professional and perfectly accommodating, but just super friendly and wanting to share their Bali with us. So when we would wake up, there would be a lovely breakfast prepared. Um, when we were ready for lunch or dinner, they would be open to making Balinese dishes. Uh, Meili has a turndown service that they do, they make the beds in the morning and then they do a turn down towards the evening. So it's very much like a boutique hotel in that way, but um, the whole villa is yours. So uh, I don't, again, don't think that this is something that could be easily applied to just any vacation rental business model, but I came to have a huge new appreciation for almost a blend between vacation rental and boutique hotel. It made our stay in Bali, just absolutely perfect. Um, you know Thibaut Masson, uh, of course. Um, yes, of course. I saw of, him uh, 
just saw him in Las Vegas. Yeah, so Thibaut has property in Bali too. And that was really my first introduction. No, not that I've ever been there, but uh, him talking about his property in Bali, where he does much the same in terms of providing the in-house staff and they, they prepare meals and the local meals. It just sounded so amazing. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not, it's not something that, um, that really is scalable. Um, but, but it's certainly something to, to think about in certain locations. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I know that even here in Ontario, um, Jane's Cottages, I, I don't know if you've met Jane McCaw. Um, no. But um, she, she has a very unique niche in our area. So essentially, she's one of my competitors because she's another Ontario property rental company. However, she does it in a very different way. And she's the only company that provides all these concierge services. And if somebody does want an in-house chef, then she will provide that. And she has found this niche in an area that is not known for providing additional services. So mm-hmm. it can be done. It can be done. Hope to do mainly justice in, in showing how she does it so well. So from Bali, of course, we had to fly back. And that was, again, one of the longest flights I've ever taken, but I'm slowly improving my sleeping skills on airplanes. Um, <laughs> we then hit up Budapest. Bali to Budapest. And actually, in the middle of those two episodes, we, we flew back to Boise for the LiveRes conference. So we did Bali to Boise to Budapest, <laughs> the most obvious route, you know? Yeah, indeed. And Budapest was another one of these destinations that I knew very little about. Um, so I was really counting on an Inner Circle member whose name is Virag, to share with us her version of Budapest. And Virag's company is called Katana Apartments. And the vacation rental that I stayed in is located pretty much in the center of downtown Budapest. And it was super convenient to walk to anything that we needed. Virag made a, um, a suggestion that I run the Budapest Marathon which was taking place the day after we would we arrived. So, so, so I, did he did he mention that the the day you arrived, or was this something you'd heard? No, about no, beforehand? no. <laughs> she mentioned it way ahead of time. She was like, "Hey, just as a heads up, the marathon is taking place. You should consider running." And I said, "Okay, challenge accepted." So I began training. I think we were back in St. John when I started training. Uh, but I decided to do the half marathon, um, and Virag went on to her um, Budapest Facebook group and asked if anyone would be willing to run with me. And one of her colleagues, Laura, uh, said, oh, I'll do it. So I had myself a running partner, and I met up with Laura the morning before the race, and the race was really, really amazing. Uh, I've never run a half marathon before, but it was quite a challenge, made that much more pleasant um, thanks to all the great views and they had all kinds of bands. The event itself was was organized uh, just amazingly well. Uh, but the biggest thing that I learned in Budapest from Virag was that she 
has this um, attitude when it comes to customer service that there is no question you can ask her that she will not figure out or solve. And this is typically an, a mindset that you will find at the most prestigious boutique hotel chains in the world. Um, there's various stories of you know people asking the Ritz-Carlton or asking the Four Seasons for some kind of strange request upon arrival and that they actually do it. Uh, this is Virag. And the, the twist is that you don't have to be paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars. In the case of Virag, you're paying 60 euros. So um, I asked Virag a couple of different, what might be considered strange <laughs> questions um, that she was able to resolve. And in fact, she shared with me some of the examples of strange requests that she gets from guests uh, that she resolves. One of them was that a guest was looking for a very rare um, kind of, of handmade violin. A normal vacation rental host would be like, okay, no thank you. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. But Virag takes these things personally. She goes out and she finds the handmade violin and the guest's um, vacation is just made. Uh, so my request for Virag was to check out um, a steam room. I had heard that Budapest was famous for steam rooms. And of course, Virag took it to the next level. She not only got me connected with the manager of the most um, proximate, the closest spa, who gave me like a wonderful tour of the installations and showed me like the traditional ways to experience the steam bath. But then she got me uh, connected with two others, which I ended up visiting. So I did a whole bunch of steaming. And for me, this was just one big or miniature example of a bigger idea that um, if we take this attitude that any question or request as a, uh, from a guest can be accommodated, we're offering the kind of hospitality that is otherwise uh, reserved for the most um, luxurious brands in the world and that we don't have to be luxurious uh, or even pompous in order to make those kinds of things a reality for our guests. Now, that's something that is scalable. You know, all the time you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking from, from with my property manager hat on, I'm thinking, you know, how scalable is this? Can we do this? And I know that every property manager deals with these questions every day. Some are very basic. Have you got a blender? How deep does the water get before it get? how deep is the water before it gets over your head? But the times we do get some, some more challenging questions. And it, you're, you're absolutely right. It is easy to gloss over those a little bit and say, you know, hey, you know, we, we, don't, we don't do that. You know, I'm learned, learned from this that it is possible to, to take those questions and get them answered. I love that idea. And, and I'll share with you the downside or the challenge about that. Virag does an incredible job. Um, she works together with her husband, Janos. And they work so hard and it's hard. Like they were very honest about how much of their time, their personal time together was compromised because of this attitude of going all out for every single guest. And she was talking about some very real decisions that she was going to have to make coming up. Does it mean uh, hiring someone new? Does it mean 
figuring out the right way to train that person? Does it mean relinquishing a little bit of control? I think because Virag does it all herself, she can make sure that everything is absolutely perfect. But to some extent, she can't do everything herself. Like they're acquiring two new properties on the same floor. And I have to think that the limits of her energy, she's also a mother of a a newborn. So I have to think that the limits of of her resources are coming close to um, exhaustion, uh, which is to say that she's going to have to find a way to keep that Mm -hmm. standard if she wants to, you know, enjoy this industry the same way that she started off. It reminds me of of season one. You talked to Henrietta, Henrietta Kiss. Yeah. In season one, I think she was just, you know, new mom at that time or around that time. And that got me thinking, you know, how how do these people get everything in their day? And and that can be challenging. Yeah, I have a a huge uh, admiration for people who are doing this and carrying second uh, responsibilities, much less. Uh, the responsibility of being a mom. I know how much energy that takes. And do you know, do you know so it from, still takes energy 40 years later? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ask my mom that yeah. question. She would certainly agree. <laughs> uh, from Budapest, we made what might be the shortest trip uh, in the season, and that was straight over to Lisbon to visit Philippa, who is the owner of Rent for Rest. She's been an incredible inner circle contributor now for many years. And like so many Inner Circle members, I finally had the chance to meet her in person to see her in her element in Lisbon. And have you ever been to Lisbon, Heather? I I have not, no. Quite a unique place. It has experienced a meteoric rise in the press and in tourism and in development just over the past three to four years. Like if you had visited Lisbon five years ago, it was an entirely different place. Um, Things have gotten more expensive over the years. The amount of tourists and lines that you have to wait in have just multiplied. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Philippa is from Portugal. She's from Lisbon, and she basically aims to offer the origins, the authentic Portugal that she knows and loves without having necessarily to wade through all of that hype. And we had an incredible time in Lisbon. Uh, The first day we were invited to a local wine festival that took place in a region just outside of Lisbon called Bruselas. Bruselas, I'm still working on my pronunciation of that one. Um, It was a tiny little village that makes incredible wine. And the festival was amazing. Uh, The food was amazing. I even got to do a little dancing. Not sure that's going to make the final cut. I bet it does. (laughs) I hope it doesn't. But the general lesson that I took away from Lisbon, and this is something that that most people on the regulatory side of vacation rentals know, uh, but most of the rest of us do not, is that Lisbon is is among the most progressive and organized short-term rental destinations in the world. And when you arrive at Philippa's vacation rental, some of the, um, some of the indicators, you'll see plaques on the wall that show various permitting. You'll see uh, fire extinguishers 
you'll see medical kits, you'll see um, uh, basically all the uh, you know smoke detectors and all that. Basically, all the things that you would see in a conventional hotel room with regards to safety. And I was curious about that, so I began to ask Philippa some questions, um, and I came to learn and really greatly respect the um, effort that the independent vacation rental owners and managers have made to have a seat at the table with the municipality, with the government, to share what they believe makes vacation rentals a unique value proposition for the, des- for the destination, but also to be real and to compromise, to agree to certain kinds of taxes, to um, have certain restrictions about the business. Um, I'm not going to go into the details here because I could speak about it for hours, but the general lesson there was that if you can get ahead of the problem, this regulatory battle that so many destinations are dealing with right now, if you can get ahead of it, you can unite, if you can sing one song together, and if you can do that at the table with people who matter Before it even becomes an issue, you have a much greater chance of outlasting um, uh, the destinations that don't. Mm -hmm. And and Lisbon is just such a wonderful example of that. The destination itself appears to be sustainable. Uh, The majority of the businesses that are tending to all these tourists, the vacation rental professionals, everyone is doing things at a very high level. Um, doing things very professionally, treating it like a real business, not a side gig or a hobby. This is a really profound example of what the vacation rental industry is capable of. Uh, And I just think too many of us, myself included, find ourselves dealing with these problems only once it's too late. Yeah, I think another example is, is what Derek Eaton and the team did in Seattle. Um, yeah, great example. Yeah, just as you say, getting ahead of the regulation battle. Don't wait till it comes on your doorstep. Get organized and be prepared for it coming. And and then because regulations aren't that scary, if if you can work with with the the location to create the regulations that fit everybody's needs, there can be win win. And Lisbon was also a unique case, uh, different from Seattle in the sense that. It was not a destination where anyone wanted to go or invest five years ago. And so there were all these buildings that were abandoned. And all those buildings are now nicely refurbished Uh apartments, uh, one of which I happened to stay in. So it was almost like they had much more of an immediate kind of outcome or, or result from their efforts compared to Seattle, which has been uh, an international destination Mm -hmm. for quite some time, which is dealing with a host of other kinds of challenges um, that that might inhibit the short-term rental um, argument. Yeah, I I guess it all comes back to scalability, and this is something that can be scaled up or down. It's... The, the constant is the relationships that you make with other other business owners and the um, the the unified voice that you take forward yeah and actually Philippa invited me to a dinner that she had with a bunch of other local owners and managers and I gotta say um, the attitude of these owners and managers in Lisbon and I don't think it or, or Portugal in general I don't think it reflects all of the owners and managers there. 
I think this is a definitely a, a special group that raises their hand to go out and, and do stuff on behalf of everyone else. But the attitude there was so impressive. Everyone was excited. Everyone was ready to go to work. Everyone was ready to take responsibility. Everyone was ready to listen. I, I have really never seen a group with quite so much um, collective wisdom, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, than, than I did there in, in Lisbon. Really, really impressive. That, that sounds great. And I know Philippa is taking, you, you, you've given Philippa a challenge we, that, uh, that, that I think she's taking forward. So we'll probably hear about that in the, in the weeks, months to come. So that, that brings us into our last destination to date. Um, and that was Bowen Island and visiting the great Jan Stevens, <laughs> who's been a wonderful contributing Inner Circle member for so many years. And again, finally had the chance to meet her in person. And I must say that like all my colleagues who I've been friends with virtually and finally get to meet in person, she was exactly as I was expecting. Such a wonderful personality and such a wonderful uh, work ethic and, and a great vacation rental mind mm-hmm. about her. Bowen Island is located about 40 minutes from the airport in Vancouver, flew in, and I took a ferry from the mainland over to Bowen. And in the moment you cross this channel, you feel like you are in the wild. It's just these cliffs rise up out of the ocean. There's mist, there's birds, there's like seals and all kinds of wildlife all around you. And you make your way over to Bowen which feels like a true village, even though it's a, a relatively large island. Um, there's no big brand names. Pretty much everyone knows everyone else. Uh, there's a main coffee shop in town. There's a main supermarket in town. And I arrived after, let me think, it was a flight from Lisbon. So I had been flying for like 15 hours, I'd say. And I arrived into Vancouver, took the ferry over, got to the Lazy Bowen Hideaway to, to meet Jan and her son, Akira, and her neighbor, Len. And they were like, welcome. Are you ready for the five-mile hike? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I said, sure. And I went out with uh, Jan's son, Akira, and Len, and we hiked up Mount Gardner up to this beautiful lookout and it was one of those things I keep finding myself just exhausted, but the exhaustion is somehow um, uh, canceled out by the excitement and by the newness of it all. And that was, that was a wonderful example. From, from there, I went back to the Lazy Bowen. It was 4 p.m., and I lied down to take a little nap, and I woke up the next morning at 8. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good introduction to Bowen Island. But the biggest thing that I learned uh, from Bowen, and I learned a whole bunch of things that I'm going to try to articulate. In fact, I haven't even written out the Bowen Island essay just yet. But the big thing that stands out for me is the power of a single great room in a vacation rental. So the Lazy Bowen Hideaway is originally a fisherman's shack that was purchased for, I think, $1,200 back in the day. Jan, as an interior designer, just made it into this sort of, I don't want to say cutting edge, but it has all of the modern comforts that we would uh, want 
as as travelers, but it also has this great personality. Like a lot of the decor is from her grandmother, the colors, and the view out the main deck is just breathtaking. It's expansive. You see whales jumping off in the ocean. So there was one particular room in the Lazy Bone Hideaway that I found myself pretty much not wanting to leave. And it was the living room slash dining room slash kitchen. And it was not a huge room, but it was divided up in a way that pretty much any member of the group could be hanging out without being on top of one another. And it had the fireplace on one side, which was pretty much going the entire time I was home. It had a really nice seating area with uh, views out to the ocean right behind it. And adjacent to both of those was this just spectacular open kitchen. And there was no walls, so it was all common space. And you could see out, um, have the doors wide open. And it just reminded me in a, in a distilled kind of way what vacation rentals have to offer our greatest um, allure to groups. Um, instead of renting out three different hotel rooms, you can stay at one vacation rental. Instead of having to sit on one another's hotel beds, you know, with our knees close together and our hands in our laps, we're able to lounge out without being on top of one another, without having to go out to local restaurants every single meal. You can go grocery shopping and pick up some ingredients and cook together as a family and save money. All of these things were epitomized by this great room. And I call it a great room. I don't know what Jan calls it, but it um, was a big lesson for me that if you are building a vacation rental from scratch, if you are remodeling a vacation rental, or if you're just reorganizing an existing property that you have, that single space where a group can get together and enjoy one another's company without bothering one another, I think is something that is priceless in a way. Yes, I, I hear this from Tyan Marsink because she's she's remodeled a couple of places. Plus, she 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 has built uh, a home, and and this is her her primary aim to make this um, general space so comfortable that, you, as as you said, in Jan's place, you can sp the, the whole group can spread out, be in the same area, yet have have different spaces. I love it if you have that opportunity. Yeah, it was it was for me, and I think the weather it was a little bit brisk, and the fireplace, mm -hmm. and it was all just kind of the perfect alignment of stars. Um, I was also kind of tired, so just sitting around was awesome. Uh, but just in general, Jan runs a, a top-notch business. She's definitely a leader in the Bowen Island market, um, and I, I see her as a great leader in the vacation rental industry as a whole. You'll have the chance to meet her at um, at Amy's event in new orleans yeah i actually did i i met um i met jan at that home away oh, summit did? where you you and i met oh that's right yeah that was before jan and i were mm -hmm. like best buddies yeah yeah i met her there and yeah amazing lady Very good. so uh yeah so yeah time we talked again about in interior design on this podcast so i should be contacting her yeah, that's her. That's definitely her specialty, and I got to see it in action. Pretty remarkable. Wow! Hey, that 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 that's an amazing trip. Amazing 
series of places you've been to. Uh, let's let's just talk very briefly. We're sort of running out of time now, but I want to talk briefly about sense of place, where people can see this upcoming season, and anything else you want to say about it. Well, you can find it on YouTube, Sense of Place. Uh, if you type in youtube.com slash sense of place show, you can find it on Facebook. You can find it on my website, VRMB. We have two episodes to go. The next episode is in New Orleans. We will begin shooting in two days. This is my new adopted home. So it will have an additional twist to the episode beyond the fact that my parents and my brother and his girlfriend will be flying in for this episode. So it's going to be a fun one. And we will round out the season in Park City, Utah, meeting Jeff Jensen and his vacation rental empire that is utopian. So we're very much looking forward to a finale in Park City. We will begin publishing episodes on December 19th. They will come out not unlike a normal TV show, one per week. And I'm thrilled to share these incredible stories of independent owners and managers who maybe never saw themselves as pioneers, but in my eyes are absolutely leading the charge of this vacation rental movement. And it's, uh, it's nothing but a pleasure to, to see that in action. That, that's wonderful. So December the 19th, I will make a note of that. You're sponsored this time by booking.com, which, um, yeah, that, that was interesting to see too. And to, to, you know, to, to see this just breadth of range of places you've been to. So yeah, the big question for us this season was how do we further the mission of the show, which was to get this message of professional vacation rental management in front of as many new travelers as possible. And that's what booking.com does best. The team that we have been working with there and just the team of theirs in general who has been trying to listen as much as possible over the past year, I would say, to what the vacation rental owner manager needs. It's been a really good partnership thus far. So we look forward to, to presenting this little niche of ours with the world. Well, that's excellent. And it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, as ever, talking with you. We will meet again in February uh, in, in your hometown. Are you going to continue to try to um, trick me like you did at the, um, on the last evening in Las Vegas with our conversations? You had me confused there. <laughs> I told you, it was after 4 p.m., my brain doesn't function after 4 p.m. When you, when you said, to, said to me something about Andy and I said, sorry, Andy who? who? Yeah, for those, for those who weren't there, Heather and I could be found uh, in the backyard of Amy Fermani's Las Vegas vacation rental laughing hysterically for a good 30 minutes um, at about 8 p.m. without having drank anything. So that's it, what we do for fun. This is true. And, you know, getting everybody to search for my telephone <laughs> and, and, and Conrad, Conrad doing an amazing, amazing job of saying, right, I'm, I'm going to call it. And we could hear this darn phone ringing and everybody's searching for it. <laughs> and, and how I got away with reaching in my back pocket and pulling out the phone, I, I don't know. That was, that was your last hurrah. That was your last <laughs> subliminal hurrah. Oh. So it was a pleasure. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. So thank you. Well, it was actually, that was a wonderful end to that, to that weekend. Cause, oh, as, as you know, cause I, I, I left you, I went straight to the airport for a midnight flight. Then I sat on the tarmac for two hours because they couldn't get the washrooms to work. 
Oh, no. So, so we took off, I think, with one working washroom and the pilot saying, I hope you guys can cross your legs. <laughs> Oh Lord! For the four well, hour, for the four hour, with us a little while. Yeah, for the four hour flight home after a two hour sit on the tarmac. So that that was was an interesting flight. They didn't serve any drinks. Ah, oh, too bad. Well, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> that Otherwise, was a good thing. Would have had a separate problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hey, Matt. Absolutely fantastic to talk with you. Um, huge congratulations on Sense of Place season two. Uh, you know this. You've you've probably got goals for this. I can see it going a little way beyond YouTube. We shall see. We shall see. Fingers crossed. Just yeah. trying to put our heads down and do the industry justice. Well, you do a fabulous job. Thank you for that. Thank you for being on the show. And I'll see you in February. See you soon. Ciao. I, th- I think I'm very fortunate, you know, when I go out to, to look at cottages and, and I get to visit maybe 50 or 60 new properties every year and I get to dip my feet in the lake and take canoe rides and nothing like going to Uruguay or Rio or Bali or Budapest. I think Matt is doing the most amazing job for our industry. I think, uh, I, th- I think he is just such a powerful voice, not only for us as vacation rental owners and managers, but also for the travelers. For, so for travelers who can get to see sense of place and to actually understand how unique and individual a visit to a vacation rental home can be, I think that is that, that is just second to none. And... You know, all power to Matt for having this idea, putting it together and and taking it um, from what I can see is way beyond the next level. So make sure you tune in to Sense of Place on December the 19th. Go to the show notes. I'm going to put um, links to all the hosts and their properties. You can go take a look. You can get sneak peek beforehand. And, uh, and of course, put a link in there to Booking.com if you didn't even know how to find Booking.com, which is a bit crazy because I'm sure you do. Um, that's it for this week. It's been a packed episode. Lots for you to think about. I love Matt's takeaways. He has something different to take away from every single visit that he makes. I'll also make sure there's a link in there to the previous episodes we did uh, on Sense of Place Season 1 because... But for, for those, Matt actually read um, excerpts from the essays he did. And that was just really, really interesting, inspiring and insightful. So go to the show notes and take a look at that. If you don't know where the show notes are, you need to go to vacationrentalformula.com. We still have the Cottage Blogger branding, but we're now putting all the podcasts, all the blog posts everything on vacationrentalformula.com. So please go there, please subscribe and, uh, and send me any comments that you have on the show. And if there's anything that, uh, that you would like to hear, I really want to get in touch in fact with some of these hosts and get them on the show and, and talk through not only their experience of having Matt and the crew there, but uh, to, to delve a little bit deeper into 
what they do, how they do it and how they're making a success of it. So for now, thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure to be with you and I'll be talking to you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.